changes. That is the word of the week around BYU football. Obviously, as they try to get things turned around against Liberty. What exactly are they changing? We're discussing that on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen every single day. Very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. The goal here, simply stated, is to make you the smartest BYU fans in the room by giving you all the news and notes you guys need to know about when it comes to the Cougars every single day. Our title sponsor today is our friends, a new old friend. They were a sponsor of ours a while ago, but they are back. Our friends over at Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with the promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. We'll talk a little bit more about them later on in today's show. All right, let's deliver the goods right out of the gate here and talk about what's going on with BYU football. The buzzword around BYU all this week is changes. Uh, We have been out there for media observation, uh, well, the observation, but media interviews. Uh, I'm recording this Tuesday night shortly actually after getting home uh, from those media sessions and the question were asked of both Elisa Tuiaki and Aaron Roderick I know that the offense not necessarily is undergoing uh, much change if at all but Lance Tuiaki in particular was asked about changes and he uh, kind of demurred and said, okay, we're, we're analyzing everything. We're looking at how player schemes are going, what we're doing with our third downs. We're looking at uh, the overall philosophy of our substitution patterns. He said, essentially, it's a top-down uh, reboot of what's going on inside the BYU football program, especially on the defensive side of the football. Now, uh, I've been digging around, prowling around, talking to sources, trying to get the, the, the facts, the, the hard hard, fast facts about what actually is going on in the program. And if people know that are uh, people that I talk to, uh, they're, they're not talking. Let's, let's just put it that way. I think the biggest thing is I am, this is a, th- this is my personal feeling on this is that Kalani Satake is taking a more hands-on approach with the BYU defense in particular this week and might do so the rest of the season. Does that mean he is going to demote Elisa Tuiaki, going to fire him? I absolutely don't think that's going to happen. I actually think, and let me, let me add this, I think that if BYU were to come out and Kalani Satake, Tom Homa, whoever it might be that has that decision-making power, they were to come out and say that we've decided to make a move, we've uh, fired Elisa Tuiaki, we fired Atlanta, whoever, whoever they decided to make an announcement for that, I actually think in some ways that that kind of disruption at this point in the season actually might do more harm than good. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, especially considering how porous the BYU defense has been the last two weeks and frankly for the entire season, but you have to understand that these are players that are used to these coaches they, they know how these coaches are operating. Now, the other thing about this is, is I do think that the outside pressure is getting to these defensive coaches. I, I think point uh, A, that you the only thing you really need to point to, is coordinator's corner on Monday when Elisa Tuiaki apologized for engaging a fan and allegedly asking them, you want to get out there, put some pads on, and make a tackle. Now, it wasn't the, the back and forth that uh, people probably would make it out to be, like him them cussing each other.
other out. He just he he stepped towards a guy. He heard the heckling and he responded to it. That screams to me of a coach that is uh, feeling all kinds of pressure. And I frankly. I'm a big fan of Elisa Tuiaki as a human being. I've gotten to know him just a tad bit uh, on the personal side, and I like him as a man. Now, the other thing you cannot argue with is the fact that his defense has been downright awful, especially in the past three to four games. And this past week, what what happened against Arkansas is indefensible. I know they couldn't stop anybody, but at the same time, his explanations of I would have dropped eight if we could have scored if I knew we were going to score 35 points. Uh, if I'm the BYU offensive staff, I'm probably saying okay. Bro, what what what's that? Why are you throwing a shot across our bow? The other thing about this is, in some ways, there was a clip put out by BYU Sports Nation, and there are people out there saying, well, you need to watch the entirety of the interview. I did watch the entirety of Elisa Tuiaki's interview on Coordinator's Corner, so I'm speaking from a point of both the clip that was sent out of him saying, well, if we would have known we were to score 35, I would have dropped eight. Now, okay, great. That, that That's great in hindsight. Hindsight's 2020. We, we all get that. But the simple fact of the matter is that Last year against Virginia, for example, BYU went with a blitzing-style defense trying to get after Brennan Armstrong, the star quarterback for Virginia. It got absolutely shredded in that first half. We all saw that. We all watched this game, that game. But in the second half, BYU went to that drop eight set and actually helped win that football game. It actually slowed down what Virginia was doing. You already knew that the game against uh, Arkansas was tipping at halftime. So if you believe that you would have dropped eight, and you, by the way, I think that offense for BYU, would they have 21 points at that point, you knew they were scoring. And they're going to score at will on this Arkansas defense. So why wouldn't you morph into that drop eight if you believe that was going to be so effective? The my takeaway from the coordinator's corner uh, conversation, as well as the media session with Elisa Tuiaki, is he is a man who is feeling immense pressure, and I mean a ton of pressure, as you would expect. Has he responded to it the right way? I don't think so. I, I don't think he has. I think that the bigger issue at play is that when a fan, when you're going to engage with a fan out of the stands, it means that it, the, the pressure is getting to you. Uh, I've been in spots where pressure has gotten to me, and trust me, I don't think anybody responds well to pressure, honestly. And in a high-profile job like a guy like Elisa Tuiaki has, I, I get why I think the cracks may be starting to form a little bit, because he's he's been hearing it for going on seven years at this point, it feels like. So, I don't think he's handling things the right way because I watched that entire coordinator's corner uh, portion of the show, and I, I just thinking back on it, he went from uh, at one point it screamed to me that he was kind of throwing his players under the bus at one point, and then later on in the thing says, "Well, in the fourth quarter, our confidence confidence was shot." Uh, coach, I would not be saying that because that's just a shot across the bow of your staff. The guy's working underneath you. That's a shot across the bow of every single player that suits up for you. That just. The comments from Elisa Tuiaki, I think that the less he says at this point, it's probably going to be better. Now, as they get ready for this game against Liberty, what's going to fix BYU fans' opinions of the defense? Well, I guess a shutout might, but is that is that realistic? No, it's not. So... I think the the simple fact of the matter is getting back to my original point is that the quote unquote changes going on in the program. Uh, I'm not expecting wholesale changes, and if wholesale changes are going to come, they will come in the off season. They're going to work their way through the rest of this uh, schedule, and frankly, the the schedule is softening up, folks. You you're facing the probably the softest part of the schedule here in the next three to four weeks for the BYU football program. So ostensibly, they could rack up three, four, five wins to finish out the year. They could end up nine and three, and was anybody going to feel completely satisfied with that? I don't think so. But at the same time, that's very much what could be in play here for the Cougars. So 
if you're expecting uh, to all of a sudden Saturday you see uh, Kalani Satake signaling in plays, I wouldn't expect that. Do I think that inside the program there might be some shifting of some assistant coach responsibilities or uh, philosophy? Like a guy like, uh, let's say for Coach Satake, for Kalani, uh, him stepping in and saying, okay, here's the overall strategy. Here is what the scheme I think we should use to attack what Liberty's throwing out there. Is that the type of stuff I expect to change? Yes, that is what I expect. I don't expect uh, to be Kalani saying, okay, walking in and telling Ed Lamb and Elisa, get out of my way, I'm handling this. I, I don't expect that. But I do believe that he will be more involved. And like I said, there might be some shifting of responsibilities, whether it's uh, a GA here or there stepping up in a new position to coach. I, I could think of a guy like Jan Jorgensen, for example. Jan's been working with the defensive ends all year long. Ostensibly, he could be, take on a bigger role with BYU's front uh, guys on the defensive front. I, I know that on-field coaching is a no-no for him as an analyst, but I'm talking about more about strategy, scheme, that type of stuff, and the off-field role that he occupies, that's where I think a guy like that could step up. Could other people like Kevin Clune, who has defensive coordinator experience, step up and offer his expertise as a guy who has been in that chair that Elias sat is sitting in and be like, okay, here's what you want to do. Here, here's some of my thoughts on how we go about attacking this. I would think that you would you would embrace all of that if you're Elisa Tuiaki because frankly right now what you've got on the field and what you're putting out there it just isn't working and the more you kind of lean into what you're doing right now it's only going to increase that pressure that apparently is already causing you to crack uh, you, you need to try something different so uh, I, I I know that a lot of you out there are going to hop in the mentions and I frankly I, I, I embrace every and all comment you guys have and I know a lot of you say well it's a mistake to keep him on staff you can say that all you want. I'm just I'm speaking from years of experience and having watched how Kalani operates. And I do I know the Ty Demmer situation, trust me, that's gonna be thrown at me as well. By just reading the tea leaves, if you will, I just don't see wholesale changes coming to BYU this season. But in the offseason, that's very much I think uh a thing that's in play because going into the Big Twelve, you cannot have this type of ineptitude on your defense. Uh, that's that's very, very clear. All right, coming up here in just a minute, I, I've got a couple other thoughts on what's going on with BYU as well as some updates from practice. We'll get to those. Uh, some uh, practice insiders actually fed me some other information but, but because they don't necessarily want to speak on the changes. doesn't mean they didn't feed me some other tidbits. We'll get to those momentarily. First, though, a word on our friends over at Sweatblock. And Sweatblock out there, my friends, is here for any of us. Uh, if you're a big guy like me, sweating's just part of life. And there were points in my life that I have been in some pretty precarious situations. I can think of one in particular it's one of those, you know, like the Southwest want to get away moments. I had one of those. I don't want to divulge too much because it's still, it would be embarrassing for certain people that I am closely related to. But the thing about it is it caused me to break out in just this gigantic sweat fest. And I wish I would have had sweat block in my corner. That's what, uh, that's what sweat block is here for. It was created by a doctor to help with our, with his own excessive sweating. It is doctor created and doctor recommended. If you are someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat, like myself in that situation, like I said, you need to try sweat block. It's a fantastic product. They've actually sent us some of it here on the locked on network. Uh, they've been working with us. They worked with us about a year ago, I think, but if I recall correctly, great product. And by the way, uh, as a BYU fan, it's actually a local product. It's lo developed here, right here in Utah. So check it out, my friends. You can get 20% off also by go using the promo code Locked On at SweatBlock.com. It's also available on Amazon. So once again, that's our friends over at SweatBlock. Save 20% by using the promo code Locked On. 
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. And all right, let's get a couple of practice updates for you guys. I, I can say this a lot. It sounds like the running back position for BYU should be replenished this week. Uh, as uh, Aaron Roderick told the media, I, I actually asked him the question. Uh, are Peeney and or uh, uh, Miles Davis going to be available for the Liberty game? He said both of them should be available. He did confirm, despite Kalani Satake saying that it wasn't necessarily season-ending. I've already talked about this. Jackson McChesney's season is done. It, 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 you can end the debate about that. I don't know why Kalani wouldn't just come out and say it on Monday. He's like, well, we're still evaluating. No, you're not evaluating it. I said that on this podcast, I think almost two weeks ago now, that Jax McChesney's season is over. And uh, Aaron Rodder confirmed that uh, during media. But the good news is Alopini Katoa, as well as Miles Davis, should be available to go alongside uh, Christopher Brooks, ostensibly making BYU's uh, rushing uh, game that much stronger. Uh, frankly, and also I'll add this, I don't know this for certain, but I actually liked how Pukunukuo was being used out of the backfield. I don't necessarily think you're going to run him up the middle, but he is a guy who uh, I know most of you out there probably NFL fans if you watch the San Francisco 49ers use Debo Samuel or a guy like Christian McCaffrey for the Carolina Panthers I call them just football players they may have a wide receiver designation like a Debo does or a running back designation like Christian McCaffrey does but they do so much more than just be a running back or a wide receiver in those two circumstances and I think that's what Puka can offer to the BYU offense and so uh, don't be surprised if he does line up in the backfield against Liberty It, it would not surprise me and going down the stretch run this season. I think he showed he's very effective in that role and they should use him. He, he's a weapon. Use him as effectively and as often as you possibly can. Uh, Coach Satake did talk about on Monday how he likes seeing uh, Puka get more touches for BYU's offense and that's a positive. Now another big question a number of you have asked on YouTube also some of you sent it in uh, via DM and I think also some mentions on Twitter. A lot of you wondering what's going on with Connor Pay at center for BYU. Joe Tukuafu did not have his finest performance as a BYU Cougar on Saturday. That goes without saying. The fact that he snapped a football with no play call called on fourth down, no matter, some of you out there, I, I had one troll, I'll, I'll call him a troll because I ended up muting him, was barking at me on Twitter uh, saying that, well, he, he snapped the ball because the defensive line moved. Okay, that's the point of what they were trying to do. So if you're going to snap the football, make sure they're actually offsides. But irregardless, uh, wow, I just used PK's word. <laughs> but uh, the biggest thing is Connor Pay got beat out. Joe Tuguafu is your starting center for the time being. Uh, I, I confirmed it with my own eyes. Connor Pay was in a pad yesterday at practice, uh, and that's it just he got beat out. So uh, Kalani talks about this all the time. That the competition is an ongoing thing for the BYU football program. They are never going to have guys feel like this is my job. It's my job until I'm done at BYU. They want that competition there. And Joe Tuguafu has been pushing for playing time all season long. He was slowed up. Due to some injury concerns during training camp, which allowed guys like Connor Pay to take a lead over him. But to Joe's credit, he just kept working and grinding. He played some guard uh, during his uh, time as a backup. And in practice, uh, apparently, I-, I didn't have any wind of this. I didn't get necessarily any heads up on this. But Saturday, out goes number 52 at starting center for BYU. Did he have a great performance? No. But apparently, the coaches are still a big enough fan of him and his play that they feel like he is the guy right now to be in the pivot for BYU's offensive line. I think he's going to have a better game the more he, he's going to have better games the more he plays. Uh, that was still just a it's a boneheaded uh 
I don't know how to describe it accurately, what happened on that fourth down. It, it, it hurt BYU. There's no doubt about it. And I guarantee it, knowing what I know about Joe, he is the most hurt about that situation. Uh, we had Clark Barrington on the show yesterday for his weekly appearance, and he talked about it. He said it was frustrating. He, he, said, he used the term frustrating because there was no play call called. There's no reason for Joe to snap that football. And he just had, to, I guess I call it a brain fart. He had a brain fart and snapped that football, and it cost BYU dearly. Because think about it. That play alone gave Arkansas the lead. They went down, they went 24-21, getting that touchdown off of that short field, and at that point, BYU was playing uphill the entire rest of the game and never able to get back over the top on Arkansas. Who knows what happens if BYU either does draw them off sides or calls the timeout like they were planning on doing, according to Kalani Satake, punts the ball away, flips the field, maybe plays a little more defense. Who knows what happens? Maybe it is Arkansas still scores on the eight straight possessions that they scored on, uh, very well could be that because BYU defense couldn't stop a wet paper bag or whatever that terminology is. But it would have been a different game, it feels like, in some circumstances had that gone differently. But Joe Tukuafu is going to be your starting center. and But don't be surprised if a game this week or game two or three down the line ends up with Connor Pate retaking that position. It is an ongoing battle there for BYU along that offensive line. I do like the fact that they have kind of settled in with five guys that they feel like are their best five. There was some of that rotation along the right side of the offensive line with Joe playing at right guard in circumstances in, in place of Harris Lachance. Campbell Barrington slotting in along uh, to replace Kingsley Sewell Matia. I think the coaches realize, you know what, uh, something I talked about on this podcast, we need to narrow in on our best five, and they have done that. And I think, honestly, I know that the performances offensively have been up and down this past week. I thought it was quite good overall. Uh, I think that continuity along the offensive line is something that is uh, very much in need. Now, that also, I'm going to flip that on its head and talk about the continuity and the chemistry that's being developed along that offensive line. Just as an example, on the defense, and we've talked about this, I mentioned this on the podcast earlier this week, that uh, some people pointed out to me on social media that, well, they, they suggested that BYU's defense, with the hockey-style substitutions they're going, guys are getting two and three plays before they go right back out of the game, and why wouldn't they be playing balls to the wall? and absolutely going 115% because they're, they know they're going off the field in that circumstance. I also think that breeds a lot of non-chemistry amongst these guys. The mix-and-match nature of BYU's defense, how in the world are you supposed to know what a guy behind you is doing if you're playing with him one out of every four downs, seemingly, in a game? Best defenses in the entire world have continuity. They know what each other's tendencies are. They know how to cover for one another. And that is something I think is severely lacking. Just yet another uh, symptom of the hockey style of substitutions for BYU's defense right now is the lack of continuity and chemistry on the field. You don't get that feel. Think about this. Look at the San Francisco 49ers, for example, and former BYU linebacker Fred Warner. Do you think Fred Warner comes off the field every three plays for the San Francisco 49ers? No, he does not. He plays 92 95% of every single snap in every single game. He is the defensive captain. He is the play caller. He has the green dot on his helmet that has the transmitter getting the calls from the sideline from his defensive coordinator. The thought of taking maybe the best linebacker in the NFL right now off the field every three plays because he needs to get back to 100% before we throw him back out there is completely asinine and outdated. If it worked, you would do it in every level of football. Guess what? It doesn't work in reality, and it doesn't happen at every level of football. It just so happens to happen at BYU. All right, so there you go. I'm going to... Kind of back down from that. I've t- I've gone off on this already, but it's just it, there's so many things I think being caused. And th- if I if okay, 
Jake, you're defensive coordinator for 10 minutes. What change are you making that's, that's binding? I would walk in. I wouldn't even need 10 minutes. You give me like two minutes. I walk in and say, you give me that paper with those defensive substitutions. Tear it up and say, you do hockey style substitution. You're getting your pink slip and you're out the door. It would go away in a heartbeat. It would be gone, obliterated, blown up, never to be seen again, buried in a vault. Whatever you want to do, it would be gone. There are instances where guys do need to get subbed. The, the, when I played in football, if you needed out, you just have the top of your helmet and the coaches knew, okay, get the next guy in there. That's what you need to do, in my opinion. That's Defensive coordinator Jake, who is this armchair analyst, that, that is what he's going for. And the more I observe this hockey-style substitution pattern for BYU, I see so many things that are just hurting BYU's defense. And like I said, if you gave me one thing, you can change scheme, you can change personnel, Jake, you can change whatever it is in the BYU defense. You get one thing, you get 10 minutes to change it. That hockey-style substitution, it is out the door, and it's never being seen again around Provo. That's pro- that's what I would go with. I- I'm that hot and that bothered about it, if you can't tell, uh, talking about this. All right, so uh, that is uh, some of the updates from practice. Oh, also, uh, one other thing. Uh, this week, I-, I think Gunnar Romney, he said it on his radio appearance with Jake and Ben on the KSL Sports on the radio station that I work for, that he has a game-time decision this week. I think that's very much uh, the case this week. They want to make sure he's fully fit before putting him back out there on the field. It's just been a really rough year for him, but the, the good news is the other wide receivers are all appear to be healthy, and I'm talking about Puka Nakua, Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, on down the line, uh, uh, um, who am I thinking of? Uh, Braden Cosper. All those guys are healthy, so BYU should be going into this game against Liberty with about as good of a lineup offensively as I have seen in quite some time. Now, Peyton Wilgar is already considered doubtful. I did not see him on the field for BYU on Tuesday, so ostensibly I don't think he's going to make the trip and or play this weekend. Uh, And Elisa Tuiaki did say that he thinks they may be a little lighter along the defensive line than they were last week uh, in their game against Arkansas. Uh, I'll be digging and trying to find out some more information for you on that front as to who who that might be, who might be sitting out this week, but I I don't think Peyton Wilgar is making the trip this week. So that means guys like Jackson Kofusi, who is his backup on the depth chart, are probably going to see a bigger role for BYU on defense. Uh, And keep an eye on that. That, that, I think that this is a a game this week. Uh, Don't be surprised if they go with the three-man front because that's exactly what uh, Liberty uh, goes with. They go to that spread set, and that's when BYU goes up against offenses like this. This is where you go to that three-man front and hope for the best because uh, you're trying to just slow down everything else going on around you. So, all right, there you go. All the updates I was able to pick up on Tuesday. And like I said, anything else I learn, I will be happy to pass along to you guys. I do want to encourage you guys. If you've got questions, it's a Thursday. We'll do a mailbag edition of the podcast tomorrow. If you want to send those in now, whether it's on the YouTube comments, if you're watching this, or if you want to DM us or message us on social media, I'd love to get your comments as well. Uh, Locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can send in your questions that way. Email the show as well. Locked on BYU at gmail.com is the email address and we'll address as many of those as we can on tomorrow's show. All right, coming up here in just a minute, want to give some shout outs to some BYU fans out there. We'll get to all of those momentarily, but first a word on our friends over at LinkedIn and LinkedIn has been a big partner of ours over this entire football season, my friends. And that, that's the best part about LinkedIn is every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. Ooh, that sounds like kind of like BYU right now on defense. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best 
qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is helping you find the right people for your team faster. And the best part is they're doing it for free. You can go online right now, set up a a, a profile and also post your job. The best part is you add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to help spread that word that you are hiring. They feature quick and simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And the best part is that is why small businesses are rating LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs is helping find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post that job for free once again. Terms and conditions apply. All right, before we go here on today's show, uh, let's give some shout-outs to some folks out there. I want to start off with this. Our, our good friend Mojo, I'm actually see if I can share this uh, link with you as, as I'm talking about this, but our good friend Mojo is serving our uh, had been serving our nation overseas, and he's been uh, just a, a stalwart listener of ours, uh, of mine, I guess, uh, of ours uh, here on Locked On Cougars during his time overseas. And I think I got it. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so here's Mojo's post, uh, and uh, Mojo's home. Uh, he was able to arrive home. He says, I'm home now. Uh, so congratulations, Mojo. Uh, just, uh, well, I say this all the time when I mention you on the show. Thank you for your service. I, I know that uh, your guys' time overseas when you guys are serving in the Air Force or in the Armed Forces, and this goes for any of our listeners out there who, besides Mojo, may be in the Armed Forces. Uh, you guys are the reason why I'm able to do what I do. Uh, that, that's... I, I love what I do. I love talking about sports. I love talking about BYU. I, I love all of the things I'm able to do. But let me be very clear. What I do is just, a, it, it's it's all enabled by folks like Mojo who go overseas and protect our freedoms here, here in the United States of America. And if, uh, I know a lot of you listening outside the state. I, I know that you guys uh, appreciate that. But Mojo, welcome home and thank you, thank you, thank you for your service uh, to our country. All right. Now, a couple other things I need to get to here. I'm actually seeing if I can pull this one up too. I'm doing this all on the fly here, trying to switch between uh, different things. Uh, but I also wanted to give a shout out uh, to our good friend, uh, I believe it was Nick. Yeah, Nick Olson up in Helena, Montana. I sent this in uh, last night actually. It says, Jake, it's been a while since I messaged you. I just wanted to let you know that you did a great job uh, with what you're doing with the podcast. For the last couple of years, I have commuted from Helena, Montana to Great Falls for work. Your podcast has been my go-to. I can tell the effort you put into it and you've been my driving companion for the last couple of years. Thank you for your dedication and work making Locked On Cougars a staple. Keep it up. Nick Olson signed uh, out of Helena, Montana. And Nick, thank you for that. I, I I love what I do, uh, and I'm lucky enough to uh, sit here and blather on about BYU sports, and I hope I bring uh, uh, just a little bit of knowledge uh, to you guys while also del- delivering some passion. I, I, My wife the other day said, you were pretty fired up about that BYU loss to Arkansas, and she, she said, it's some of the, the, the old BYU fan in you came out, and it did. Uh, that performance, it got me fired up, and... Uh, it's not good enough. We all we all know that. It's, it's just not good enough for BYU right now. And uh, Nick, I appreciate you reaching out because it, it it's fun. I am lucky enough to have the wherewithal and I guess some inside knowledge, I guess, in a way of how BYU works. And I love to pass it along to you guys. That, that's what I do here on this. Uh, it's not, I'm not going to get rich off this podcast. Let's be very real, but it, it it's fun. And that, that's why I continue to do it. It's why I continue to dedicate the time to doing it. My wife and kids, uh, they, they know uh, what this means to many of you out there. So uh, Nick messages like that, that they, they keep me going. So, uh, and this last one, 
I'm already getting a little uh, choked up about this. So, over the weekend, uh, during the BYU game, man, didn't mean to get this emotional about this, but uh, Rick Dalton, uh, some of you out there may know who he is. Uh, he's Cougars09 on Twitter. Uh, I had a chance to meet Rick, man. We're going back 2010, 2011, 2012, somewhere in that realm. It, it's been many, many years. He was one of the original uh, people out there, like guys like Adrian Jenkins, Big Uncle Pooh on Twitter, uh, Devin uh, McClellan out there, Devin D33 uh, on Twitter. Guys like that, they're kind of what I call the OGs of BYU tailgating. Uh, over when BYU was allowing us to uh, tailgate in the indoor practice facility lot, uh, the, the lot that's just west of the uh, SAB over there, they allowed us to tailgate in that area for a while before moving to their current location. Uh, just over by the BYU IT building. And uh, I saw this come out. I, I think I saw it actually mid-game. And I've been meaning to talk about it all week. And I actually failed to do it on Monday when I meant to do it. But uh, Rick actually lost his battle with cancer. And frankly, I hate that disease. And I don't use that term lightly. Cancer's taking two of my aunts. Took my grandma, took my grandpa, and like, I don't proclaim to know Rick all that well, but I had a chance to get to know him, and we're talking about a dude that's just salt of the earth, love BYU more than almost anybody I know out there, and just, it sucks, because guys like that, gone way too soon, because just a Great human being and gets it cut short. And so anybody out there, if you know the Dalton family, I just want them to know that they're cared about. It's never, it's never fair. It's never fun. But Rick, wherever you're at, hope you're doing well. Uh, Look over us and until we meet again. All right. That's going to do it. So thoughts and prayers out to Rick Dalton's family. And like I said, cancer, it's the absolute worst. It is truly the, the most insidious, vile thing on this planet. And if I have any power over that, like going back to the conversation about the defensive coordinator, if I had a power to, to, to wipe something out off the earth, cancer would be the first thing to go. Honestly, I, I would get rid of that insidious disease. So uh, Rick, rest in peace, my friend. Uh, we'll, until we meet again, and thank you to all of you for making this your first listen of the day. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, I'll sign off for now. But have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See you.